0: Good afternoon, Bards Nation. How are you doing today? It is Friday, August 18th, 2023. A year we're never going to forget. This is Bended Knee and I am thankful once again to be uh, getting to take over Fridays. Give Scott a little bit of a break so we can get down to his farm and get some of that stuff done. Like I said, we all have each other six. We all work together. We are all God's children. We love each other and we will do everything we can to help one another out. Hope you're all having a beautiful, beautiful day. It is Beautiful here in our new state of Kentucky. Going to be a little hot next week, but not as hot as Texas. So those of you in Texas and those other hot places, I am so sorry. Move to Kentucky. We are here with open arms welcoming a wonderful community. So last night, I played a little clip um, that was kind of about angels. It was actually really, really cool, and this is uh, Angels in the Sahara Desert. And I'm going to play this clip for you real quick, and then once we get done with prayer, I'm going to uh, cover a little bit more about angels because, uh, you know, god does so many things so many miracles and one of those things is placing those angels around us to watch out for us um, through our daily events and so forth and just because we don't see them doesn't mean they're not here so i'm going to play this little clip for you as a great example
1: this is a super cool story from a guy named jamie winship and jamie worked for the cia and tells a story of when he and a guy he calls jason Bourne, because of this guy's crazy amazing skill set went to the sahara desert to essentially talk tribal leaders out of islamic terrorism now, this Jason Bourne character was skeptical of Jamie and wanted to know if Jamie was the real deal because Jamie had tons of success in his missions, since he says he simply listened to God, and was obedient to what God said. That's how he became very successful in the CIA. Anyways, these two guys plus another, they're out in the Sahara Desert on this counterterrorism mission, and they notice that every time the tribal leaders put out food for these Americans, they put out four plates. Now, there's only three Americans there, Jamie, this Jason Bourne guy, and someone from the Pentagon. Yet every day, at every meal, four plates were put out. Finally, Jason Bourne asks the tribal leaders, why are you putting this extra plate out? And they said, well, it's because there's four of you guys. Jason replies, "Uh, there's actually not four of us. And they're like, yes, there are. are." (laughs) Jason's like, well, are there four of us right here right now? And the tribal leaders laugh and say, no, your, your other guy's out. He stands guard at your door. After some back and forth, the tribal leaders realize the Americans can't see this fourth guy. So they start calling this fourth guy an angel of God. Jason then asks them what this fourth guy looks like. And the tribal leaders say, well, he looks bigger than all three of you guys. He stands guard over you all night long at your tent. And, uh, oh, he carries this amazing sword. That's why the tribal leaders that don't like you guys don't bother you because of this security guy. Now, Jamie had noted in his meetings with the tribal leaders that there's always a couple that wanted to kill the American. So it was very important that the Americans have protection. And it just happens that their protection was an angel of God that only the tribal leaders could see. That's when this Jason Bourne character knew that Jamie was the real deal. That's when he believed that God was really active in Jamie's life because God sent his protection over them with this big sword-carrying angel who guarded them wherever they went. How cool is this?
0: I love this story. I've listened to this so many times. And uh, it's one of those things is the angels are everywhere. They're all around us. You know, Just because we can't see them doesn't mean that they're not right here with us. And this is a great example. This this angel didn't need to present himself to the people that he was protecting. They were presenting himself to the people that were trying to harm them. And like he said, they were way bigger than any of the other guys. And we all know, you know, from what we've seen in descriptions is angels are rather large. You know, the Bible gets in the angels a little bit. Surprisingly, there's only two angels mentioned. Um, You get outside of scripture a little bit, you know, which I caution everybody. You know, there's a, Enoch is a great example. Um, I enjoy reading stuff like that. But, you know, as my brother Jeff says, if you read outside of Scripture, have a very, very firm grasp on Scripture itself so that you're not getting swayed away and pulled into something that you shouldn't be reading. Um, Enoch obviously was mentioned multiple times in Scripture, you know, which is why, you know, at least I have that interest, you know, and it gets a little further into detail about angels. Um, But I've got some stuff that I'm going to talk about today that is just scriptural that refers to the angels and um, two angels that they actually mention by name. But God is so amazing and you know we he puts his little earth angels here you know the little kids um animals in our lives you know we can you know they're kind of angels watching out for us um you know um if you guys listened to my show last night uh, my fiance and i live in are going to be getting a, a puppy i'm picking him up tomorrow and we went through we, i always name my dog gaelic names um you know angel was a little bit too um normal for us so we ended up deciding to name it spirit so, um, we have spirit and we have saw one. saw one, means harvest and, you know, the spellings, I always spell things in Gaelic. So when I have to go up to a, uh, a veterinarian or something, I always have to put the phonetical spelling in there. Um, the word that I've actually picked for spirit in Gaelic, um, has a very, very interesting spelling that looks nothing like the word spirit, but it's actually translated into spirit. Um, you know, when you say it correctly, even in Gaelic, the word is spirit. And, uh, we're looking forward to seeing that, but, like I said, as far as my spellings and stuff go, I always have to make sure I put the phonetical spelling because in this case, spirit in Gaelic is spelled s p i o r um a d so it's it looks like it's spelled spirod, but the pronunciation is spirit, so we wanted to do something that represented God, you know we went through we were looking up the different Gaelic names for heaven and prayer and so forth, and this one's just so beautiful. another one we were looking at was a tough decision um was a uh, sersha and sersha means freedom but once again we decided to go something a little bit scriptural just to pay homage to our lord almighty for giving us all these blessings that he's been doing one of the big blessings of, is the place that we've been brought to very religious community matter of fact there, this it, you know you have most convenience stores like every other block in in this town that i live in it's almost like there's a church every other block and i'm not joking matt and have live here as well and they'll tell you the same exact thing We're going to be having our bards fest right here we were about not to have one and uh my beautiful fiance reached out and found this amazing venue which scott's been talking about camping um everything just outside with god a pavilion um just a place to do baptism so this place worked out so well um and if you go through and you read some of the reviews it's uh mandolin farms you'll see the one common comment from everybody in the reviews is the people of this village, this town, whatever they want to call it, are amazing, and they accept you like a family. And they absolutely have. I have not seen one grumpy person here. I know they exist, but your grumpy person here is still nicer than some of the city people that you run into, like New York or whatever. So it's a blessing. God's going to bring us all together right here. And this is actually going to be, um, an annual place that we're going to be coming to because we're trying to make it to where we have East Coast Central and West Coast. Um, I guess this would be considered East Coast because um, it, we, we are like an hour and a half, two hours away from just multiple states right here on the East Coast. So great place to gather. And one thing that's going to be really separate about this event compared to others is that when our speakers and our music ends for the day, we've got camp campsites um, RVs, campfires to sit around, to pray, to play music, to talk scripture, to have that community, to break bread with one another. So this is going to be absolutely amazing. And, um, I'm excited. Um, a lot of work ahead right in the middle of a move too. and for those of you that are thinking about moving, let me give you a suggestion, do it yourself, get yourself a U-Haul. You're going to end up moving everything anyways, if you're paying for movers or not. I've had the most beautiful experience for the move out because they send their A-team. But then when it's time to get everything to it, um, they send their Z team or their Z3 team or whatever it is. It's absolutely terrible. We're still waiting for half of our stuff to get here. My poor mother, 75 years old, sleeping on a mattress on the floor right now because her stuff didn't get here. And all my kilts and my wedding kilt and all of my wedding stuff is in a box somewhere between here and between Texas and here. Oh, my goodness, guys. This is just insane. So I suggest getting a U-Haul, hiring some people, move, move yourself. Just do yourself a favor and, and remove that stress. But uh, fortunately, like I said, no complaints. little bump in the road. I've learned one thing is that with all the chaos and craziness in this world, what's the point of complaining about the little things like this? You know, our stuff will be here eventually. It's just stuff in the long run. Anyways, I'm just more worried about the kilt that I purchased. It came here all the way from Scotland for this wedding. And we're going to be doing our wedding ceremony as well when you guys get here to the uh, Flemingsburg, Kentucky Bard Fest at Mandolin Farms. Guys, it 4:11 or 411 here on the East Coast, uh, we're going to do a little prayer time. So everybody, please bow your heads. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you again. Thank you for everything. Thank you for taking all of our lives and, and turning it upside down the way that it was supposed to be so that we're focused on you. Thank you for letting us ignore the little things that bug us in our lives and we realized it. They're just pointless. You know, there's no point in getting upset. You know, just live, love, be happy, take things as they are, but be ready, you know, to to have that righteous anger when it comes down to it. And Father, it looks like we're getting closer and closer to that time. None of us want to be anything but passive. We're God's children. We love. Dear Lord, we pray for our enemies. We pray for our friends. We pray for everybody that we can. We try to do everything the right way. We spread information. We spread the gospel. And I thank you for setting us on that mission and making it part of our missions. But dear Lord, Right now, we're getting into a time where everyone's trying to kill us in every way from the food that we eat, removing our food together, trying to bring us into this globalist society, 15-minute cities, everything that you warned us about in Scripture. We saw this coming. You said there'd be a day in these cities where we wouldn't have time to go back for our robes. Father, we're definitely getting closer and closer to that point, so I pray, Father, that you let all of us right here in Barbs Nation, all of these other groups around that, that worship you, that serve you, and do what we can for you, let us stand up right now and help wake up those other people. Dear Lord, we've had um, beautiful people like a brother, Scott, who has done everything that he can to help prepare us over these last couple of years, and we're prepared. We're ready, dear Lord. We're ready for the battle. We're ready for anything that comes this direction because we know that Satan can't do anything thus. He tries. He tries to make our lives miserable, but we have you. And, dear Lord, you defeat everything that the devil does, especially those that serve you. We become targets more and more every day. The closer we get to you, the more we do for you, but it's all right. Dear Lord, if we were to die on this battlefield, I can't think of a better privilege than to die serving you because we're going to end up in the home of homes, dear Lord, the home that was meant for us, not this place right here on the earth. But, dear Lord, we also need to do what we can right here on this earth. We've got children that just unfathomable things are happening to them. I'm not going to get into it, but you know what I'm talking about, Father. We need to protect those innocent. We need to protect the little ones. We need to protect each other. We also need to protect the elders, the wise ones. Dear Lord, with the wise ones, with the elders, as they leave this earth, so does the wisdom, the grace, the love, and everything that you have brought into their lives that leaves with them. And dear Lord, the devil's doing everything he can right now to distract our kids, to deceive our kids, to indoctrinate our kids. To change this world, dear Lord, hoping that in one generation, two generations, they don't even know that you exist. But we're not going to let that happen, Father. They can try to take our guns. They can try to take anything. They're never going to take my Bibles. They'll get my gum before my Bibles. But, dear Lord, we are going to stand firm. We will carry the Word. If they take our Bibles, we'll just put it out verbally, dear Lord, because we read that Scripture. We get to know the parables. We get to know everything that you taught us. And you can't kill the Word of the Lord. It will always exist. Remove the paper. Burn every book. Your word still exists, dear Lord. It exists within our souls. It exists within our hearts. So let us learn more. Let us do everything that we can to remember what you have taught us, not just the sacrifice that you made for us, which is so beautiful, dear Lord, because it gave us an opportunity to become who we are, to give us that chance at salvation. But dear Lord, I also ask that you prepare us for the battlefield when that time comes. Let us all hone those skills that you have given us from the moment we were born. Father, before we even knew you, before some of us even knew who you were, before we even had faith, before we had you in our hearts and accepted you into our lives, you were still working in our lives. You were still working with us and in ways you were working through us. So dear Lord, now that we know who you are, now that we have that relationship, now that we're less sinners than we were before, we're still sinners, dear Lord, but we're working towards every day to be better people. And that's because of you. Dear Lord, life has no meaning unless you were in it. Dear Lord, you give life meaning. Life is more than eat, sleep, work, repeat, which is what this world wants us to do. They don't want us looking up. They want us looking down. They give us phones. They give us computers. They give us video games. Dear Lord, let's break that matrix. Let's break the matrix that the devil's put on this earth, dear Lord, and just put all of our faith, all of our alliance and everything into you. Let us wake up every single morning and pray to you first saying, thank you for another day. You didn't promise us tomorrow. You promised us today. But, dear Lord, if you give us tomorrow, let us be thankful for that. Let us rejoice in that. Let us utilize that day to benefit you because you benefit us in everything that you do. Father, we did a show not too long ago about why do you allow suffering. And, dear Lord, one thing is that suffering makes us stronger. Suffering teaches lessons. It's not just because we sin, but it's also there to help other people find that because they get to see the miracles within suffering when you fix the problem, when you intervene. Father, we know what you have given us today because we can see it right in front of our own very eyes. But we don't know what tomorrow brings. Only you do. And the great part, Father, is that you knew when we were born what you had intended for us. But you also gave us free will. And many people have failed you, dear Lord, but you gave them the ability to do so. We're not mindless drones. You gave us free will, dear Lord, and the ability to decide if we love you or decide if we don't need you, which we do. Everybody that doesn't know you still needs you and dear lord. That's why we're here right now We're here to serve those missions The ones that you've given us individually the ones that are collected because all of our little missions are for the greater mission, which is Salvation here on this earth helping people find That relationship with you to walk that narrow path to help each other when we stumble because we're all going to have those bad days Dear lord, we're going to have days where we question things But dear lord you keep us to where we don't lose our faith and dear when we triumph through those trials and those tribulations, we become stronger in you. We become stronger in your name and we become better people in the process, more capable to help those other people find what we have in our lives, not by the words that we speak, dear Lord, but by the fruits that we bear. And you've given us this opportunity because you had great patience, more patience with some of us than others, but you had that great patience, dear Lord. So I ask that you bless us with that same patience for others. Dear Lord, there's a lot of people and it's hard it's hard not to hold the grudge. It's hard not to hate sometimes, dear Lord, but, but you didn't create us to hate. You created us to love, dear Lord. So let us love those. We don't have to love what they do, but we have to love them. We have to love them enough, dear Lord, to understand that many times in Scripture you have taken some of the worst people, and you brought faith to them some of those people have ended up being some of your greatest apostles disciples dear lord you knew what you were doing dear lord the moment that we were put on this earth you knew us before we were in our mother's womb and dear lord we just need to thank you for those blessings that you give us every day thank you for bringing our family together which gets bigger and bigger and bigger every single day thank you father for everything that you bless us with and we ask your lord that you continue to bless the show barbs nation kilted christian conley show douglas's all the punky show all of the shows knick-knack that come and speak in your name dear lord let our arms get longer and longer with a bigger and bigger reach and this isn't about the numbers father because if we wake up one person if we have a topic that is meant for just one soul dear lord it's it's worth it because like i said you had patience with us as an individual what can we do but help one soul at a time and dear Lord, I thank you for giving us that honor and that privilege to be here to recognize you, to love you, and to serve you. In Jesus Christ's name and our Heavenly Father's name I pray, amen. I'll tell you guys, I've said it before, there's not a day that goes by that I don't just love God a little bit more, and I know all you feel the same exact way, because we see these miracles, even within the chaos we see miracles. We see this crazy stuff going on in Maui, and all these fires everywhere, and these train derailments, and them removing our food, the government getting too big for their britches around the world trying to pull us into that evil new world order that that was told in the Bible. You know, we're we're waking up more and more every single day. And I'm seeing people that I thought were going to be what I called forever sleepers. That are waking up as well they're going let's let go of the politics we need to unified together and you know what they're not all the way there yet they're not all the way there yet until they reach out to the heavenly father and ask father into their hearts to have jesus christ in their hearts and understand the sacrifice that were made that's the final part but they have to wake up a little bit and once they open up their eyes we have the ability to turn them around softly slowly towards that veil that god lifts up a little bit more even even every single day and the beauty is is as much beauty as god brings as many miracles as we see every single day he also uses the evil and the tyrannical chaos to use in his favor too like we're watching right now more and more people waking up every day more and more people waking up and, and starting to ask for prayer it's small steps, but eventually once you make it to that narrow path, the steps get bigger, you become more motivated, and you realize that your job isn't the one that makes you money. Your job is the one that serves our Heavenly Father, and then life becomes beautiful and worth it. Your faith gets stronger, and we get to do some amazing things for our Father. Guys, i want to uh going to talk a little bit more about angels in the Bible and what we actually know about them. And there's not much really mentioned in Scripture about angels, and there's only two angels mentioned I said earlier. But it's still very very interesting topic because they're all around us so for centuries um artists have portrayed angels as we've seen as beautiful humans with wings and glowing light complete with halos harps and flowing gowns or perfectly sculpted bodies but it is that really what is angels look like we don't know angels um have inspired all sorts of imaginative stories and and depictions But um, what's left when we separate fact from fiction, in order to know the truth, we have to ask, what does the Bible say about angels? Because scripture is what we need to focus on more than anything, and there's nothing but true words, truth, and facts, you know, within the scripture. So I've got 14 biblical facts about angels. So these facts will help us learn a lot about angels in the Bible, but they are why God created them, how their hierarchies work, and much more so first off is that god created angels angel haven't always existed according to scripture there is part of the universe um that god created or that god created all of the universe in a passage that refers to angels the host or armies of heaven we read you are the lord you alone you have made heaven the heaven of heavens with all their host and the host of heaven worships you um In the New Testament, Paul tells us that God created all things visible and invisible and specifically includes the angelic world with the phrase, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or authorities. Um, While these Bible verses do tell us that God created angels, the Bible also suggests that they don't exist in the same way we do. So um, the author of Hebrews suggests that all angels are spirits. Um, You can find this in Hebrews through 14 when Jesus appears to the disciples, he asserts that the spirits don't have bodies like he does. This is Luke 24:39. In the Bible, angels can't usually be seen by humans unless God reveals them himself. You can see numbers 22:31 and 2nd Kings 6:17 as well as Luke 2:13. However, from the time the angels took on a bodily form and appeared to the various people in scripture, Um, you can find this matthews uh 28 5 and then hebrews 13 2. so you know even the things that are mentioned in scripture about angels are repetitive they repeat themselves so you know it doesn't talk about what they look like we we pull this into our imagination just like god himself like god has never shown himself to anybody if he wanted to he could but you know we rely on faith faith is the most important thing but we still tend to give God a face. You know, you ask a little kid to draw a picture of God, they're going to draw a big guy with a big gray, long beard, mustache and long hair, you know what I'm saying? well, we don't know, it's just our imagination's running. So you got to wonder, you know, has God given us the visions of how he looks like, or is this something that we're just fabricating ourselves? Because as humans, we need to uh, have a, a, a vision, you know, like a physical um, outlook on what something is. So um, the first, uh, I've got a couple of things, the three types of angels that are actually mentioned in scripture. So scripture names three categories of the heavenly beings that appear to be the types of angels. So you've got um, cherubim, seraphim, and then living creatures. So what are the cherubim? Cherubim, the first ones that are mentioned um, in several places throughout scripture. They guarded the entrance to the Garden of Eden. You can find that in Genesis 3.24. God is enthroned above them. You can find that in Ezekiel 10.1-22. God rides on them. You can find that in Psalms 18.10. And then two golden figures of cherubim actually sit on top of the Ark of the Covenant where God promised to dwell among his people. And you can find that in both uh, or you can find that in Exodus 25, 22, as well as eighteen, twenty-one. So the next one that is mentioned, and matter of fact, uh, the cherubim, are the ones that we may have actually got kind of an idea of what they look like, um, you know, because I'm sure that whatever was put on the Ark of the Covenant was uh, inspired by God. So the next one is seraphim. Another type of angel, the seraphim are only mentioned once in the Bible. They appear in Isaiah 6, 2 through 7, um, where they continually worship the Lord and say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. You find that in Isaiah 6, 3. Um, And then the the last one, and, and you can find other things, like I said, that are outside of Scripture, which try to explain them. And some of the things that I read last night were seraphim were supposedly had six wings. And uh, the first two wings were to cover their eyes so they could hide their modesty. The other one was um, for humility, which uh, are the lower two wings, which cover their feet. And then the other two wings were actually for getting around and flying to so they could get to where they need God needed them to be. So the final um, angels that are mentioned in Scripture are referred to as living creatures so ezekiel and revelation speak of other kinds of heavenly beings known as living creatures around god's throne so ezekiel 1 5-14 and revelation 4 6-8 they appeared like a lion an ox a man and an eagle representing various parts of god's creation wild beasts domesticated animals human beings and birds they too worship god continually day and night they never cease to sing holy 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 is the lord god almighty who was and is to come revelation 4 8 now we see many times throughout scripture um how god has used animals birds and so forth to help some of the people that are in scripture um noah had the uh the crow and the dove and the dove came back to let him know there was land so you know you know are those part of the creatures that he's referring to some of those angels sometimes we we call our little children angels because there's nothing more connected to god in my opinion than a child because they don't have logic yet. They're instinctual. They have that that innocence and that connection to the father that we don't have. And you hear kids telling stories, you know, like you can see him talking to Jesus and you don't see him, but they do. Well, kids haven't been ruined yet. They, they haven't been told these things can't exist. You can't see these things. So they're a little bit more open. And then what do we do is we spend the rest of our lives trying to get back to the point that we are born. You know, God wants us to to see and hear as children. You know, we need to feel and understand and see to the eyes of a child on their innocence so that we have that direct connection. Maybe we'll be able to see Jesus right in front of us instead of feeling him and hearing him. And, you know, even as adults, we have to learn how God communicates with us. you know, um, it's even harder when you stray away from god or you never knew god your, your parents didn't talk about it didn't take you to church or so forth and you have to kind of relearn everything and then develop that relationship and over the last six years since i've found god in jesus that's happened in my life and i know it's happened in many many others lives too because once you accept god into your heart you learn how to listen you learn how to speak to him you learn what he's asking you to do and how he needs you to serve and you know, we get all these different skills and missions that other of us don't have because God needs a well-oiled machine. You remove one cog from a machine, the machine stops working completely. It, you know, sometimes it just fails, sometimes it stops working completely, which is why it's important that we all accept those missions. And from the moment we're born, God knows what, what path he's sending us on. And he brings those people, other people on their missions into our lives that help us refine our skills so that we can do our missions. The question is. Do we have the relationship with God in order to know that we need to go on these missions, that we need to serve God? And often God does send those angels into our lives, whether we see them or not, in order to help us along with our missions or to protect us in some of the more dangerous missions. Because Jesus said, for those um, that know me, those that follow me, I ask a lot. But for those that don't know me, I ask very little. You know, we have a big job. We have a responsibility, especially once you get to know God. And to get to know Jesus, we have a big responsibility in order to listen hard so that we can serve him because he does ask a lot of us. But it's OK. It's all right. You know, the greatest boss ever in the world and the one that you want to make happy, just like your own father, just like your own mother. So angels have a hierarchy. So angels in the Bible appear to have a rank and an order. The angel hierarchy is supported by June or Jude nine, or, uh, Jude 9 um, when the angel Michael is called an archangel. Um, a title that indicates rule or authority over other angels. He also called um, one of the chief princes in Daniel ten thirteen and appears to lead God's angelic army in Revelation um, 12. Now war arose in heaven, Michael and the angels fighting against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought, but they were defeated. Revelation 12, 7, 9. And I always think, you know, the time that, Satan went up to try to go mess with, you know, to mess with some of the people and God was like, you can mess with Job and, and uh, Michael rebuked him in the name of God. And, you know, I just imagine Michael probably just wanted to punch him in the face and beat him up, but he knew that his time would come when he came down here with Christ and, and went to war um, at the end of times, you know, after the uh, rapture during the time of revelation. And, you know, just imagine that the patience that must have required because, you know, Michael's a warrior. Michael carried that sword. He's probably ready to do it. But like I said, he, he knew that there was a time and a place. And I'm sure that he smiled on that going, oh, wait, one day when I come down here with Christ, you're going to regret everything that you've ever done. So Paul also tells us that the Lord will return from heaven with the archangels call. So 1 Thessalonians 4, 16, scripture doesn't tell us if this refers to Michael or if there is an other archangel or other archangels as well. Um, when I played that story, that little clip that I played for you at the beginning of the show, um, of the angel standing outside and protecting the Sarah desert, the first thing that came to my mind was Michael, you know, cause I, I just, I think many of us associate Michael with that sword and you know, I'm sure that there's other angels that he does put into our lives that carry that same responsibility. But the question is, are there more than one archangels or is it just Michael? Once again, only two angels are actually mentioned by name in Scripture. So who is the other one? Gabriel is the only other angel mentioned in the Bible. He mentioned He's mentioned in Daniel 8, 16, and 9, 21 as a messenger who comes from God to speak to Daniel. He is also identified as God's messenger in Luke 1. He tells uh, Zechariah, I am Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God, Luke 1, 19. Then we read, um, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin. And the virgin's name was Mary, Luke one twenty six through 27. So angels, unlike God, are not omnipresent. Angels frequently appear as messengers in the Bible. They travel from one place to another. They, um, you know, uh, like I said, was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. The fact that angels are not omnipresent is made explicit when an angel comes to Daniel and he says, I have come because of your words. The prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days, but Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me. So I left him with the with the prince of the kingdom of Persia and I came to make you understand. But it is um befall your people in the latter days. And that's Daniel 10 12 through 14. If angels were omnipresent, Michael wouldn't have um, come to help because he would have already have been there. Like God is everywhere at one time. He sees all. He knows every head on our, our bodies or every hair on our bodies. Um, like I said, angels have to be sent. So they go from one place to the other. No different than Satan and the demons. They're not omnipresent either. Because remember, um, before the great fall, um, Satan, Lucifer was an angel himself. So therefore not omnipresent. And this angel wouldn't need to leave Michael to bring his message. So unlike God, who is omnipresent, angels are finite creatures limited to one place at one time, which I find to be pretty interesting. But it's not a shock, like I said, because angels themselves are creations of our Heavenly Father. So we don't know how many angels exist. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us um, how many angels of God are God created, but apparently there's a whole bunch of them. And here are a few of the ways that the Bible tells us how many of the angels there are. So on Mount Sinai, God came from the 10,000 of holy ones with flaming fire at his right hand. That's Deuteronomy 33, 2. We also learned that the chariots of God are tens of thousands and thousands of thousands that's psalm 68 17. so when we come to worship we come in the presence of the uh innumerable angels and you can find that in hebrews 12 22. so we're probably talking millions and millions of angels um, that are up in heaven not to mention the millions that were booted out of heaven um, when the devil fell so john says i heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders the voice of many angels numbering myriads and myriads of thousands of thousands you can find that in revelations 5 so every biblical reference to the total number of angels suggests that they're beyond counting so exactly incalculable exactly flight work so um we can't prove that guardian angels exist but we know in our hearts and our souls that God does send these, um, to protect us, to watch over us, to help lead us to the missions that we're sent upon. So the Bible clearly tells us that God sends angels to protect people. He will give his angels charge of you to guard you in all of your ways on their hands. They will bear you up, um, lest you dash your foot against a stone. So that's Psalms 91, 11 through 12, but, um, are there, we, um, Excuse me, <clears throat> but are these what we think are as guardian angels? So Jesus's words in Matthew eighteen ten seem to support the idea that individual people or at least children have guardian angels and in heaven, their angels always behold the face of my father who is in heaven. But Jesus may only mean that angels are assigned to protect little children in general. Um, In sports terms, the angels may be playing zone rather than man-on-man defense. (laughs) That's a great analogy. Um, When the disciples in Acts 12.15 say that Peter's angel must be knocking at the door, this doesn't necessarily imply that they believe in individual guardian angels. It's possible that they believed that an angel was simply guarding Peter, at that moment and at that time so why arguments can be made that um, there seems to be no definitive biblical proof for the existence of what we call here on earth guardian angels so angels do not marry jesus taught that in the resurrection people neither marry nor are given in marriage but are like angels in heaven so matthew twenty two thirty. 30 you can also find this and 20 or excuse me luke twenty thirty four through 36 this clearly suggests that angels do not marry which we were given that privilege because when god created creation and he created man and he used man to create woman he also allowed us to create so um no other patches address relationships between angels so anything beyond this is uh, speculation you know, but I do believe that God does send down guardian angels, but like I said, that's just my own heart and soul. Um, it's not in scripture, so I can't say for sure. Um, so angels are very powerful. Angels are called the mighty ones who do his word. So that's Psalm 10320. Powers, um, you can see Ephesians one through twenty-one and dominions and authorities. That's um Colossians uh one, sixteen. They are certainly greater in might and power than humans. And you can find that in 2 Peter 2, 11. See also Matthew 28, 2. So angels use their power to battle against Satan's demonic forces. And you can find that in Daniel 10, 13, as well as Revelations 12, 7 through 8 and 21 through 3. So during our early or earthly lives, um, we're lower than the angels, um, Hebrews 2, 7 but as powerful as angels are when Jesus returns, followers of Christ will be raised higher than them. And you can find that in 1 Corinthians 6, 3. So, and once again, it shows you the power of the blood of Christ. I mean, that's when Christ comes back, not as the lamb, but as the lion. So we don't know when angels were created. So Genesis 2, 1 tells us that angels were made at the same point before the or before the seventh day of creation thus the heavens and the earth were finished um and all of the host of them so host here refers to the heavenly beings so exodus 2011 is even more explicit in six days the lord made heaven and earth the sea and all that is in them and rested the seventh day we can at least confirm at this point that all angels were created by the sixth day of creation So they weren't created too far before um, the earth was created and then eventually man and woman. But can we be any more specific? They may be a hint at creation of angelic beings on the first day of creation. When we read that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, Genesis 1-1, immediately followed by the earth was without form and void. And that's Genesis 1-2. There's no mention of the heavens in this second verse. So this may be intended to contrast the emptiness of the earth is with the heavens where God already created angelic beings. This idea could be supported by Job where we read that the uh, morning stars stand together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. Um, When God laid the cornerstone of the earth and sunk its basis, that's Job 38, six through seven. If the angels the sons of God shouted for joy when God forming the earth. This could imply that God created the angelic beings early on the first day. However, this is only speculation guys. Um, it You know, I will next time I read some scripture, something like I may see something different. That's the living word is that, you know, we kind of grow in our own understanding, have conversations with one another where somebody else brings us a little something we may not have caught before. Um, That's why I love my brother Jeff is that he's really good about making me see something that I didn't see before. And uh, we do that for one another. That's why I feel that one of the big importance of what I refer to as church is us coming together in conversation so that we See things that we may not have seen have a better understanding of Scripture by having these conversations by coming together in two or more. So angels are examples for us. Angels show us um, what perfect obedience looks like. Jesus teaches us to pray, "Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven." So Matthew 6:10. And in heaven, God's will is done by angels, immediately joyful and without question. Their delight is to be God's humble servants, faithfully performing their assigned task, great or small. Our desire and our prayer should be that we will do the same right here on this earth, which is why I say, although this isn't our home and heaven is our home, the kingdom is our home, we still need to utilize this time right here to be those angels or to to act as those angels on earth, to be as Christ-like as we can, to walk down that narrow path and to serve God more and more with true love and prayer. So angels also um, model worship. John sees around God's throne a great angelic army numbering myriads and myriads and thousands of thousands saying with a loud voice worthy is the lamb who is slain to receive power and the wealth and wisdom and might and honor of the glory and blessing revelations 5 11, 12 or 3 12. if the angels find if their highest joy to praise god continuously shouldn't we too as humans absolutely we should and that's one thing if we want to be better and better we want to do good we want to protect our children we want to rejoice in everything that god asks us to just like those angels that stayed up in heaven And i just can't believe that there were some angels that left this to become evil and try to you know that like i said humility and true love of god and true respect of god and the devil's doing everything he can to change everything on this earth even to the point of removing god's children which is what all of this connects to from the trans movement to the LGBTQ, abortion, indoctrinating our children, and so forth. It's all trying to take away God's natural children from this earth, replace it with artificial intelligence, biometrics, and all this other crazy stuff. So angels carry out some of God's plans. There are numerous ways in which angels carry out God's plans on earth. So they frequently bring God's message to the people. That is Luke 1, 11 through 19. Acts 8, um, 10 through 3 through 8, 22. 27, and twenty or 23-24, that's of Acts. Um, they carry out some of God's judgments, um, bringing a plague upon Israel. You can find that in 2 Samuel 24, 16-17. Smiling the leaders of the Assyrian army. You can find that in 2 Chronicles 32-21. Striking King Herod dead because he did not give God glory, that's Acts 12-23. Or pouring out bowls of God's wrath on the earth, and that's Revelation 16-1. So when Christ returns, angels would come with him as a great army accompanying their king and their Lord. You can find that in Matthew 16, 27, Luke 9, 26, 2 Thessalonians 1 through 7. And once again, we will be raised higher on this earth and become part of God's army too. Those that, uh, like I said, is going to be the group that come back down. You know, hopefully we get there in that rapture. Um, like I said, being good as we possibly can to get hung before all the chaos takes place. And it's looking more and more like we're getting to that point, but we don't know the time. Jesus doesn't even know that time. So they carry out war against demonic forces. You can find that in Daniel 10, 13 and Revelations 12, 7, 8. And I love the parallel between Daniel, which is right there towards the beginning of Scripture, and Revelations all the way at the end and how they parallel one another. Kind of Revelation talking about what Daniel talked about, and it just gives more validity, you know. Like, the fact that Jesus has always been around. He just didn't, we just didn't know him until he came on this earth, but he spoke, spoke life into existence. So John records that an angel sees the dragon, that the ancient serpent, who was the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years and threw him into the pit. You can find that in Revelations 21 through three. When Christ returns, an archangel um, will proclaim his coming. That's First Thessalonians 4, 16. Also Revelations 18, 1 through 2. 21 19 17 through 18 and then other passages as well so angels directly glorify god humans aren't the only intel are the only intelligent moral creatures who glorify god the psalmist declares angels glorify god for who he is in himself for his excellence bless the lord O you his angels you mighty ones who do um who do his word um hearkening the voice of his word that's psalms 103, 20 and also um uh fourteen or one forty eight two um the seraphim continually praise God for his holiness. you can find that in isaiah six two through three, and so do the four living creatures now it's in revelations four eight and i'm guy. I did a whole thing I went all the way through revelation one of my shows. So you can go back and I think it took us a little bit over a week to do that. Um, But it covers all of what we're going into. And then, like I said, we talked about the similarities between Daniel, um, talking about the angels, talking about what we're going to be seeing in these end times and what was going to be leading up to these end times. So angels also glorify God as they witness his plan unfold. So when Christ was born in Bethlehem, a multitude of angels praised God and said, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among men and whom he is pleased. Luke 2.14, also Hebrews 1.6. Jesus tells us that there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents, Luke 15, 10, indicating that angels rejoice when someone turns from sin and trust in Christ. So Peter tells us that angels long to look, that's 1 Peter 1, 12, into glories of the plan of salvation as it works out in the lives of believers each day. To emphasize the seriousness of particular commands, Paul reminds us, that our actions are carried out in the presence of angelic witnesses in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus and all of the elect angels. I charge you to keep these rules without favor, doing nothing um, from partiality. First Timothy five twenty one. You can also find this in the uh, first Corinthians four nine. If Timothy follows Paul's instructions, angels will witness his obedience and glorify God. If he neglects to obey, angels will also see and be grieved. So angels are not to be worshiped. And that's one thing that uh, I, you know, I don't have a problem with Catholics, but it's one thing to have a problem with the Catholic church in general, as they tend to kind of glorify saints or people that have left this earth or glorify angels and they pray to angels. And I firmly believe that You pray to God, you pray to Jesus, and then they will supply you with what you need, but you don't pray directly to Michael because, like I said, Michael wasn't our creation. And we're supposed to praise the creator, not the creation, and angels are part of that creation. So worship of angels was one of the false doctrines that was being taught um, earlier in scripture in the book of Revelation, and angel warns John not to worship him you must not do that. I am a fellow servant with you and your brethren who hold the testimony of Jesus. Worship God. That's Revelations 19, 10. We shouldn't pray to angels either. God is able to answer prayers. God answers all of our prayers. Paul warned us against thinking that any other mediator can come between us and God. When Christ died on that cross, the, 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 uh, the temple, the, excuse me, the veil was torn between the temples. God gave us a direct contact. He gave us his personal phone number so we can pray in the shower. We can pray walking down the road. We can pray driving down the road in our cars. We no longer need to go to a Pharisee, a preacher, a priest, or anything like that to have them pray on our behalf. We pray ourselves to god and he sends us what we need so god is available to answer prayer paul warned us against thinking that any other mediator like i said can come between us and god moreover scripture gives us no warrant to seek appearances of angels they manifest themselves unsought so you ask god for protection you ask god for guidance and if he thinks you need an angel he'll send it your way you don't say hey god will you please send me michael i need to be protected You just ask God for what you need and he will send in the troops. To seek such appearances would seem to indicate an unhealthy curiosity or desire for some kind of spectacular event, rather than a love for God and devotion to him and his work. Though angels did appear to people at various times in scripture, the people apparently never sought those appearances. God gave them those appearances on his will. Our role is rather to talk to the Lord, who himself the commander of all the angelic forces. However, it would not seem wrong to ask God to fulfill his promises in Psalms um, 91.11 to send angels to protect us um, in times of need. So, you know, like I said, I won't even do that. I will personally just be like, hey, Father, I need protection and just trust that God knows what he's doing. He's going to give us the tools that we need in order to survive or to get us through these hard times. So the value of systematic theology. Um, Much of what we see and we hear about angels and culture is based on pure speculation. Non-biblical sources are just plain fantasy creations from our own mind. The Bible has a lot to say about them. Um, so much so, in fact, that it can be hard to say which of those things we hear, see in Scripture about angels are rooted in Scripture itself, or were systematic theology. And uh, that's where we have to be real careful as to not stray away from Scripture. And as I said before, I started this conversation. We need to trust in god we need to read scripture and if you read outside of it like i said i'm reading i'm reading the books of enoch i had um one of our beautiful people here um give me the books of enoch but like i said as i read those books no different than i read other books that lie with outside of scripture having a very firm grasp as to what god said what god asks of us, and uh, understanding that enoch Um, It's not in the Bible itself, whether it was removed like some people think, whether it wasn't added like some people think, or whether it was written. Because like I said, it wasn't written too far, like maybe 300 years before Christ walked this earth, and we don't even know who wrote it. So like I said, if you do venture out of Scripture and you're reading things about angels, Enoch, and some of these other books, just have a firm grasp in, in Scripture itself. Don't stray away from God's Word. Um, god will always 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 give us what we need to know the enlightenment the wisdom the discernment everything that we need to know and that's really all that matters everything else is just fun research enjoyment like we would read any other book or any other movie that we watch same thing with the 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 show the chosen which i've gotten into recently um a whole lot better i don't know why it was reluctant it's a great great one but there's a lot of things in there that aren't in scripture and one of the things that stands off to me immediately is uh peter and his wife like i don't i couldn't find anything in scripture when i started digging that mentioned anything about peter's wife by name or anything else so like i said great great book um you know great great show but understand the scripture and don't use that show as scripture it's just great entertainment and it's exciting to see any show talking about our heavenly father the disciples the apostles because it gives us a good grasp of how human they were you know, there was a time I said on my show the other night where I just looked at the apostles and the uh, the disciples like a little bit higher than us, but they're not. They were literally just like us. They were a bunch of sinners. They had their own problems. They got angry. They wanted to smite people. You know, you know, they wanted to, you know, um to throw thunder down on the, the Samaritans. You know what I'm saying? And God, that's where he came up with the sons of thunder, if you guys recall that one. So like I said, Pay attention, read scripture, pray, pray, pray. Keep on learning as much as you can within scripture. Have these conversations with one another. So if you have a question, um, you know, just know that you need to trust the person that you're talking to because we're seeing right now, and I've said this before, one of the most dangerous things in this world is someone who either is spreading gospel the wrong way because they don't have the right understanding or even worse, the preachers within our churches that are literally ruining, um, they're ruining a lot of our uh congregations. Um, And they're going to be held accountable for that at some point too. And we're seeing more and more of that, especially with the push for LGBT, them trying to change the meanings of what scripture says. Like I said, guys, pray to God. He will give you that discernment, the understanding when that time is right. Well, guys, I want to thank you so much. Um, I've enjoyed this conversation. I enjoy being here with all of you. And uh, I carry these on a little bit longer right now um, only because I've yet to receive my hard drives with the music. So normally I would do a 30-minute show and then bring a little bit of music, but I just didn't want to stop at 30 minutes, so I carried on a little bit longer. And I hope you enjoyed this conversation. Um, Tonight on Kilted Christian, if you guys join us, I'm hoping to have Nikki Knight on with us. That would be awesome. Um, Having more conversation about Scripture, what's happening in this world right now, and how we need to have um, more and more faith and God every single day to do that, what we can possibly do. But I want to thank you so much, all of you, for joining us for this bended knee on this Friday, August 18th. We will see you guys uh, t- this evening, Scott's show tomorrow, the longer prayer shows now on Saturday mornings. And he will be back for Bard this evening, as well as Fishers of Men. That being said, I love you all very, very much. I hope you have an absolutely beautiful rest of your day. And I leave you with this.
3: It can never be extinguished. We are patriots. We are the digital army that will help deliver
0: God's wrath. Everyone have an absolutely beautiful Friday. The rest of your day, we will see you tonight. And remember this guys, fear not, stress not, let go of the anxieties. We are fortunate enough to know how this ends and that's God wins. So stand that love that firm line. Hold that line, keep in prayer, spread that gospel. We're going to get through this just fine. I love you all. I will see you later on and God bless.